This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, one hour earlier than normal. Usually we get things kicked off at 2 o'clock, but uh, stepping in today for JT the Brick, who's out doing a little bit of duties, helping out with the the Raiders, the Silver and Black, because they're at a golf tournament. So uh, JT bails out just a little bit early, and I'll take over a little early, and that's okay. I would have it no other way. I have no problem with that. Anyone who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that I'm always hungry for a little bit more time on the radio and some more time to be able to to talk with Raider Nation and, and share thoughts. So it is all good in the hood. Very glad to be with you this afternoon from 1 to 4 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I'm coming to you today live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. Uh, it's always great to be back in the building. We've been away for a couple weeks, but back in the building today. And, well, it's just like I remember it. Just like I left it. You know, it's all good. So uh, very happy to be here today after a day away from the home studios as I was at the Oyo yesterday. That was a great time hanging out, being able to watch the Monday Night Football action, Steelers and the Bears, and actually ended up being a really good game towards the end. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers pull it out, and of course it had to have some controversy in it because why wouldn't it have some controversy in it? But uh, here we are today, man, ready to talk about the Silver and Black, talk about the Raiders as it's Chiefs week. Uh, There's a lot to... To, to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. And of course, there's a lot of expectations going into Sunday night's game. It's prime time. Allegiant Stadium going to have a lot of fun with that. Very excited about all the folks that are going to be coming to town and prepared to pack out the house, pack out Allegiant Stadium with silver and black and uh, and see the Raiders uh, get back onto the field and uh, try to get that bad taste out of their mouth from what they saw Sunday uh, in uh, New Jersey taking on the New York football Giants. So here we are today, have a loaded show for you. A lot of good guests to get to, starting at 1.30. Our guy Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He'll join the show to talk all things Raiders. He's actually still in New York. He's traveling back today, so he's going to join us to talk about just what he saw from the Raiders, how he thinks that they rebound, uh, you know, how they can get back onto the winning side of things. And then we'll also dibble and dabble just to briefly uh, touch a little bit on uh, UNLV, how they came away at the victory over New Mexico on Saturday and really happy for those players. I mean, great for Marcus Arroyo to get his first career victory, but really excited for those players to be able to get that victory under their belt because they've been working really hard and I uh, love to see uh, the young dudes get some, uh, you know, get some love, including the Chuck Wagon, who's now the all-time leading rusher in the history of UNLV. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot of Raiders with Ed Graney, but then we'll dibble and dabble at the very end, talk a little UNLV. Then coming up at 2.30, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, he'll join us and uh, really kind of dip and dive into Raiders past drafts. And that's been obviously a, a subject of conversation, uh, especially after the, the waving of Damon Arnett on Monday. Of course, we all know what happened with Henry Ruggs, but uh, just kind of want to talk about the draft, talk about how it's not a very good science and how it's very difficult to determine what the team should do in the first round, and, and that's where the, the big misses have been coming from uh, as of lately, again, going back to 2020. Uh, it's, just, it's just not a, it's not a, there's not a perfect science to it. It's just very difficult to figure out exactly uh, what players it takes. Should you kind of stick to the boards that are the consensus boards? 
Is it okay to stick to your own boards? I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, a lot of decisions that teams have to make when they decide who they're going to target in the draft. And so we'll talk a little draft. We'll also talk with some players that are playing right now and how they're doing and and how Austin sees this Raiders team moving forward. So we'll talk all that at 2.30 with Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. At 3 o'clock, our normal Tuesday guest, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, he'll join us to talk all things NFL in general. We'll talk about what the Raiders have been going through. We'll also talk about... And, Damon, I'd love to hear your thoughts because you're a guy who likes to talk a little trash every once in a while, as I do as well. But there was a controversial uh, taunting penalty. And that taunting penalty, we've talked about it all, well, even before the season started, talked about it was the dumbest thing ever. Well, there was a very controversial taunting penalty in Monday Night Football's game uh, against Cassius Marsh, who uh, he's everything of Cassius Marsh. I mean, that name, I think, fit him perfectly. After I saw him in the postgame presser, he had his – he had his uh, jacket with the with the fur on it. Had the chinchilla on. I mean, he was he was uh, he was g'd up, man. I mean, this dude he's hung around with some bros. You know, <laughs> I say I say that about Max Crosby all the time. Matter of fact, I told Max Crosby that his his rookie year when he was on Hard Knocks and uh, that you saw him go up there in front of the in front of the uh, the rest of the team and do his little T Pain thing. And I told him when I interviewed him, I said, Hey, man, uh, I think you grew up around some bros doing you know talking like that. And he goes, Yeah, you know, it's all good and and it is all good. I love it. I thought it was great. Well, when I saw Cassius Marsh, the way he was dressed following the game last night and uh, him talking to the media, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. He's got a little swagger to his life, man. I, I ain't mad at him. I saw Cassius Marsh, and all I thought of was Cassius Clay. <laughs> you know, that's all I thought of was Cassius Clay. But, uh, DeMond, I wanted to ask you off top, man. Uh, I know you saw that that controversial taunting penalty. I thought it was a terrible call. Um, I know people are up in arms about the official bumping into him. I honestly didn't have a problem with it. I don't think that the official was really trying to go out of his way to run into him because Cassius Marsh could run over the official, and I don't think the official wants that. Uh, it looked like he was already about to throw the penalty well before he ever ever bumped into him. But what did you think about that controversial penalty? First off, Cassius Marsh, you know, just uh, just uh, the gene pool, dad is half black. Oh, they're, they're, He's got a, his half brother completely looks like a brother. <laughs> but, you know. His half brother looked like a whole brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, his, bro- his brother played cornerback uh, a few years ago in the league, so I had to look that up real quick. Yeah. Nice. Anywho. Respect, <laughs> so, yeah, he grew respect. up around some bros. Yes. But no, it was so funny because what he did was totally over the top. But this dude, I think he got just got caught up from the practice squad. Let him have his moment. Right. That's right. like the game ceiling sack in his mind. Right. He just put the game away for the team, put the team on his back. Right. And then I do think the official intentionally tried to give him a little hip check for no reason. I mean, but th- to me, that doesn't make any sense. Why? It's like me. I, as it a little, don't make no sense, but he did it. It's like me jumping in front of Unique and Gakwe and wanting to run into him. Like, I'm going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, why would I do that? I get what the visual looked like, but the people were looking at that also in slow motion. It looked to me like he was pulling the flag out of his out of his hip. And I've done this before where I ran into people in the hallway on accident. Like, I know what direction you're going to move, and then I move in my own direction, and then it ends up being the same move. You know what I mean? I just, to, to me, and this is the question I have, what – purpose did it make for the official to run into him when the official's going to lose that battle I'm not saying that he would like try to run into him like square up bull to bull but I am saying that maybe by you know he justified himself throwing that flag even a little bit more when he also was like hey man he even ran into me this dude was too hamped up <laughs> too amped up on this play all right well he had that, to come out maybe, and apologize maybe that's the he, case the I'm lead not didn't too make sure. him apologize for no reason 
Right. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I, I just think that the, the initial flag on taunting was terrible. It's an emotional sport. Everyone's an emotional people. We're all emotional creatures. I mean, man, could you imagine if they threw a flag on me every time I get excited in the, in the, uh, <laughs> in the studio when we do something good on the air? Could you imagine that? If every time I yell something after we go to commercial break, people in the, down the hallway like Kira or Natalie come running down. It's like, hey, you keep it down in there. After the Don't first you segment, you'd be, you'd be ejected after the first segment. Exactly. Like, That's his second of the, of the show. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're just emotional people. And when I say we, I just mean people in general. And, and you're playing a sport like football and it's a big moment like that. How can you not get emotional? And again, that wasn't even a bad taunting penalty. I still, and I'll go to my grave and believe this, I think it's more taunting when a guy recovers a fumble and the whole stinking team runs to the end zone, slides or does the electric slide and starts dancing and starts doing a jig in the end zone. That's more taunting than looking at a sideline. And a spinning roundhouse kick. Come on, man. That was cool. Right. Exactly. I mean, even going back to when Darren Waller spiked the ball on the Chargers sideline, I thought that that was a terrible taunting penalty because it was the first time that the Raiders had done anything positive in that game as far as offensively, and he was just excited. He wasn't telling the team that they were worthless. He wasn't spiking it in their face. He just threw the ball down in excitement. I mean, this it's an exciting sport. Every There's not one of us. Well, maybe there's one of us, but I know me – Sitting at the house watching the game, there's exciting moments. A big play happens. I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's, it's, it's just, it's natural. It's natural. But well, also, gotta, but for one of the things, though, his coach, Mike Tomlin, is one of the coaches in favor of the taunting rule. So it's one of those, it's, I guess, you know, got to look at it from all sides. Where he's like, oh, man, he, because he's been on record of saying we don't want kids to emulate that. And it's just like, why emulate not? What? Exactly. My, you like know when what? coaches agree with this new taunting rule, it's like that's what, that you don't want kids to celebrate. I'll tell you this. So they want football to be no fun from the top all the way down. My son does not play football. He plays basketball. He's not cut out for football, but he's about that basketball life. And you know what I want? I want him to celebrate. I want him to lead a fast break, throw an alley oop to somebody, and I want him to 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 have a little swag about himself after he does it. You know why? Because that's fun. That's exciting. I'm not saying be disrespectful, but I do want him to be a little excited. Show a little emotion. That's okay. I'd rather have to tell someone to pull back their emotions than have to ask someone to show a little emotion. Act like you care. Act like you want to do something. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying be disrespectful to anybody. I'm not saying that at all. But have a little bit of fun. It's okay to have a little bit of fun. That's what we do, right? Life should be fun. If it's not fun, we're doing it wrong. Got a quick text right now from Raider J from Sacramento from the 916 Sacramento stand up. Q, can you explain you walking down the hallway again? A lot of explaining there. No, it's it's simple. When I walk down the hallway sometimes, you know when you're crossing someone in the hallway and you see them and you see them coming at you and you say, hey, I'm going to dip left. And then all of a sudden when you dip left, they dip left and you run into them. I don't intentionally run into you, but hey, you dip the same way I dip. So when you dip, we dip, we dip. You know what I'm saying? That's how it happens sometimes. We dip, we dip together. It's not on purpose. It just happens. And sometimes I choose the right direction. Sometimes I'll go left and you go right, and boom, we miss each other in the hallway. But sometimes, you know, and then what do I say? If I run into some, like Craig, it happens, and no one knows Craig, but every once in a while there's a dude in the, our hallway named Craig, really good guy, he's our promotions director. And I'll see him coming, and I try to get out, I try to get out of everyone's way because I'm just a respectful dude like that. But every once in a while he chooses to go a certain direction, and I do too. And what do I say? I might run into him and be like, my bad, dude. 
That's all you do. My yeah, bad. Yeah, but Craig ain't taking 15 minutes of the show away from you. No, I'm on the air. I, I don't I don't dip around the hallway when I'm on the air anyway. I'm in the studio. But I'm saying this ref did that intentionally. And I'm saying you doing the excuse me, where you going with Craig? That ain't affecting the job. I, I, just, I think this ref did that intentionally. I mean, I just don't understand what the re, what the reasoning is. I think when you hey, watch man, it. Here, he's got a vendetta. He saw that show boat. What, he, he, what he, is he, the vendetta, bo- though? I his see. blood got the boiling. He was like, look at him doing all this did celebrating. It, did, it, did he really look like he was upset when that whole thing happened? Did I can't he really go, look like I he had go any anger in his head. voice? I can only judge what I saw. <laughs> and I saw an <laughs> intentional check. Man, you, you youngsters, you guys see all kind of things that don't happen, man. You guys are crazy. I don't know. We'll ask John McClain. I, I, I go into that big, long story to tell you that John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is joining us at 3 o'clock. And we'll get his thoughts because he's been covering the league for a whole long time. I know he's not a guy that's going to get emotionally charged. So we'll get his thoughts on the taunting penalty. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw last night. Of course, we'll dip around the NFL with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. And then coming up at 3.30, uh, I talked about UNLV a little earlier in the show. Well, we're really going to get our UNLV fixed. Paloma Villacana, she'll join us from Fox 5 News. She'll join us to talk all things UNLV. So, Damon, uh, I know you're feeling pretty good about yourself, about the Rebels getting their first victory over New Mexico. Not only are we going to talk a little football, but hoops is back, too. Basketball, they get back on the court. Thomas and Mack Center is going to be uh, on and popping. They get going again tomorrow night. They get started tomorrow night. Kevin Kruger is the head coach there of the UNLV Running Rebels, and uh, we'll talk about that. They got a bunch of uh, transfers from the Big 12. Uh, not a bunch, but three three guys, I believe, they came from the Big 12. Four. Four. Four guys from the Big 12. So, yeah, that's a good thing uh, because I think those dudes are some pretty talented guys. So, I think that this roster is, is pretty talented. I, I think the expectations should be uh, pretty high. For, uh, for the Running Rebels. So we'll talk to Paloma at 3.30. So Ed Graney leads us off. Austin Gale right after him. After him. John McClain comes in third. And then Paloma Vicana, she uh, holds up the rear and uh, she makes it happen. And we're going to have a good, uh, lots of good guests coming up on today's show. Uh, let's see. I got a text, or not a text, an email, email, a tweet from Efren. At your boy Q254, if the ref was going to throw the flag, why didn't he throw the flag when he was still looking at the bench? Why did he wait until he was running back to the sideline? My man. It's a little too late for him to throw the flag. For that reason, he really threw the flag because of a bump. I don't know. If you go back and look, and you might be right, Efren. I'm not arguing with you because this is silly. It's not something that I'm going to spend too much time with. I probably spent more time with it than I already need to. But I'll say this. If you go back and look, it to me, just me, made it look like he was already reaching into his waist to grab the flag before he got bumped into him, or he bumped into him, whatever he did. I, and that's just from my point of view. Again, doesn't nah, mean Q, that that's I watched true. it again. This is like the Sabruta film with me. I'm telling you, he did it intentionally. He did it after the bump. Okay. <laughs> again, like it's I said, not, I'm breaking it down frame by frame, slow mode. This is see, the most important story in football. Yeah, see, you're thinking about it too much. It's it's something that I'm definitely not uh, not going to spend that much time with. I will say, if anything was egregious, he 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 had too many penalties called Monday night. How about that? Twelve penalties called, 120 yards, six missed calls, uh, one awful taunting call, <laughs> ten points off the uh, uh, off the uh, gifted, as people are saying to the Steelers. So uh, I think Tony Carrente had a bad day officiating I just don't think that I don't know I thought he was throwing the flag already but again that's just me and I don't want to spend uh too much time with it at all Raider J from Sacramento said when I dip you dip we dip huh I got you now and then uh and then we got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray Q I don't think there's nothing wrong with Tony at all that's on the real sincerely Jokic 
Steph Curry, Beyonce, and UNLV football. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. There you go right there. Steph Curry, he shimmies all the time. That's That could, could be considered uh, taunting. I don't know, man. I, I just I don't have a problem with that. If you want – I've always been in, in, from, the, from the school if – if you want someone to stop taunting you or you want someone to stop talking trash to you, stop them. If you don't want Steph Curry to shimmy, don't let him bust a three in your eye. If you don't want Cassius Marsh to stare at your, your bench after he gets a big sack, don't give up a big sack. That's just, I mean, that's just where I'm from. If The best way to shut someone up is to shut them up. And I don't mean in a fighting type way. I just mean don't allow them to get off. You know, if Aaron Donald is wrecking the game and he has three or four sacks, he better be talking a little trash. If Max Crosby's going off, or let's take, for example, Unique Ngakwe on Sunday against the Giants. He gets in there, gets a sack, strip sack, and what does Max Crosby do? He starts it up. You know, he looks like he's starting up the engine. You see him doing that. That's fun. Go on and flex on him, man. That's your homeboy. Go flex on him. That's cool. If you, want, if you don't want him to do that, don't allow him to wreck your game. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's more on you than anything, in my opinion. But that's just, that's just me. But so. some people then, I mean, obviously, you know, just play better is the solution. But then you give somebody a little nice little foul, and then they try to take you out like an animal, like Jokic did last night. Did you see well, that? <laughs> that's another conversation. Uh, I played basketball. I played basketball. I got many hard fouls. I delivered a few hard fouls. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was very unnecessary. But you also have to realize you were dealing with the Morris brother. One of the Morris twins, man. Those cats, those dudes got some goon tendencies, man. Those guys, I would never feel bad for a Morris twin. Those dudes got some goon tendencies. And look, it's like it's like feeling bad for Draymond Green. If someone gave Draymond Green a, a cheap shot, is anyone going to feel bad about it? Probably not. And those are the kind of guys I want on my team. I want a Draymond Green. I want a Marquise Morris. I want one of those goons on my squad. You win with goons on your squad. Now, I know it's a tough week to say talk about goons on the squad and stuff like that. I get it. I get it, but what did I say before? Car thieves and choir boys. In basketball, you need a Draymond Green. You need a, a, a Morris brother. You need a Rodman. You need a you know one of those agitators. You need those guys. Q, you I only do. bring that up because the Jokic but, well, brothers. You up here trying to get messy. You trying to no, get messy. No, the Jokic brothers, all. like his brothers, they are also about 6'10". They just didn't make it to the NBA. And they yeah, just now they, they need to stay out of it now. That, but that's, they, not, but they that's tweeted, not their place. They I know, tweeted I back the at the tweet. brothers, and it's just like a – yeah, they need to. Marcus they need to Moore fall said, back. "You got the right ones. Believe that." And then the Jokic brothers tweeted back, "I don't believe that. I know that." Well, it's like, they, oh they, man, they no. need they need to fall back. The twenty ninth, <laughs> it's going down. Jokic don't need anybody's help. He don't need his brothers his brothers to come to his aid. I mean, look, if he's gonna go and deliver the goods, let him. What up, my man? He's gonna if he's gonna deliver the goods, let him deliver the goods. You know, what I mean, he don't need no backup. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if I'm going to go and deliver a hard foul, I ain't going to ask my mama and my daddy to come to my back, back up. Hey, I, I got my back, man. I, that's what I did. I did it. I don't need someone to, to ride for me. Totally got off onto a different subject today. But that's how it goes sometimes. Hey, we got three hours today, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got three hours long, three hours strong, baby. Nothing to worry about around here. So uh, we got a fantastic show for you. I got a couple of good questions that I want to throw out there, as always. Love to bring topics to the show just to get the juices flowing. One of the topics, I have two today. One of the topics, Odell Beckham Jr., he has officially cleared waivers. He is officially a free agent. And I know Deshaun Jackson's in the fold. I know Deshaun Jackson, there's a good chance you'll see him on Sunday night against the Chiefs. I think all of Raider Nation knows how I feel about this, but I'll throw it out there to you because I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. 
Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword RNR. OBJ's clear waivers. Should the Raiders be interested? Are you interested? What would you like to see the Silver and Black do? There's reports out there that he wants to go to Green Bay. I think that's a good fit for him. I don't think the Raiders are a good fit, just my opinion. Again, just my opinion. So we'd love to know from you what you think. Should the Raiders be interested in OBJ or is Deshaun Jackson uh, the guy that's, that, that can help fill that void left by, obviously, Henry Ruggs no longer being on the squad? And then my other question that I have for you, what needs to happen this week in practice and what needs to happen leading up to this game for the Raiders to find their way to get back onto the right track? Who needs to lead up? Who needs to step up as far as leadership goes, and who needs to step up as far as the game's going to go on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs? So, what needs to happen for the Raiders to get back on track? Is basically the question. And look, it doesn't just happen on Sunday. That's why I said leading up to the game on Sunday. It happens all week long. To get back on the right track, you've got to have a purpose all week long. It's not just showing up on Sunday and saying, "Hey, I'm going to go ball out in front of our home crowd." That's not going to get it done. And then, of course, I have the question about OBJ. He's cleared waiver. He's officially a free agent. Signed with any team. Apparently, according to my guy Tyler Dragon from USA Today, there's a lot of teams interested in wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know what that means as far as exactly who that is, but he says a lot of teams are interested. Odell wants to go to a contender. Apparently, Green Bay, according to reports, is his number one Target. So we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187 keyword R&R. Let's talk to our guy Fabian. He's up first. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind, my man? Okay, Q. You guys are killing me. You know that. Hey, the ref was going for the flag before he threw it. But my question is, what was the foul? Is he uh, mental telepathy or something? He could read his mind? What did he do? Or was it the roundhouse kick? But then to DeMond, yeah, the ref did step back and give him a hip check, but then he threw the flag. But he, they talked about it in the show last night. So uh, I don't know what the flag was for. It sure would be nice to have the NFL clarify what was the foul. What did he do? Because we all know on Waller we got screwed on that. But right. You know what? It, it was a it was a Pittsburgh guy, so you know I don't care. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but with but with regards to uh, OBJ, um, you know I'm going to take a I'll take a hard pass. Okay, good stuff. Great call, Matt. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> that was uh, Fabian. I, I was looking at a a, a tweet from Matt, but uh, yeah, a good call from Fabian right there. And I'll tell you, the the penalty was bogus in my opinion. That was a terrible taunting penalty. Uh, I don't think that it was that big a deal that he looked at the at the other other team's bench. I, I think that that's that's weak. That's soft. Uh, that's very little leagueish. That he gets a penalty for that, but he did. That's what they called it. Um, you know. If you want to call a penalty, call the roundhouse kick. Call some of the other stuff that goes on, some of the other celebrations, which I don't have a problem with any of the celebrations, but in my opinion, they're more taunting than staring at the bench. Half the bench didn't even know he was looking at him. Even the punter that was running on the field right next to him, that dude didn't care. Probably looked at him and was like, hey, dog, you see I'm a pretty thick dude. You want to square it with me, you might have a problem. Just saying. Got a text from Ty in Missouri. Ooh, 
behind enemy lines. I think for us to beat the Chiefs, we need the defense to be lights out. But more importantly, we need Abram to play his best game of his career. So when I ask the question, who needs to step up, what needs to happen? Defense needs to be lights out, and Jonathan Abram needs to play his best game. And I'll say, and look, he's not in, in, in the uh, minority in this. He did not have his best game on Sunday. But there was a lot of players that didn't have their best game on Sunday. But there was a few times I noticed that he you know, missed a couple tackles. I know there was one on Daniel, or Daniel Jones was uh, rushing to try to get a first down and uh, was able to elude Jonathan Abram. And look, I'll say this about Daniel Jones. And I said it before the show or before the game. I said, hey, man, this dude is he's he's an athlete. You know, I mean, no, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not, you know, that speed. So he's not Jalen Hurts, but he can make it happen with his legs. And so he's kind of deceptive, deceptively fast. And that was on display. And so I saw a couple times where he made a few moves and, and one was on Jonathan Abram. And I thought, man, if Jonathan Abram made that tackle, maybe they get off the field and maybe they're able to get that offense jump started. But really the biggest issue on Sunday for me was the offense just never got jump-started the way that they should. Uh, I think Gus Bradley in that defense, they got to figure out how to stop the run. They got gashed. Devontae Booker had him a day. Seems like he always has him a day against his former teams, right? Had him a day against the Raiders last season, had him a day against the Broncos. I feel like any time there's a team that he used to play for and he's going up against them, he balls out and has himself a day. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's some of the things that I think need to be addressed this week during – the week. Uh, one more text from uh, Raider J from Sacramento, 69187, keyword R&R. Refs need to sit in front of the media after games like players and coaches so we get a better understanding on why they call these horrible calls. And I'll say uh, they do talk to the pool reporters, but that's very minimal. You know what I mean? They don't really talk like you're saying in front of the media and all that like the players and coaches have to do. Um, I, I just think there needs to be more accountability. There really does. If something egregious like that happens, there should be some kind of penalty besides, oh, we missed it. There is nothing worse, and I hate to get on the soapbox, and I'll take a break after that. I'm sorry, Damon. I hate with a passion, and there's not a lot of things. I said it before. There's not a lot of things in life I hate. I hate when officials come out or leagues come out or anyone comes out and says, oh, yeah, we missed that one, or oh, that was a bad call. It shouldn't have been called. Okay, well, what are you, you can't do nothing about it now. I'd rather not hear about it. Oh, that two-minute report that the NBA does? What's the point? Right. I mean, Keep in, it to in yourself. the NBA. And look, I don't even have a problem with the NBA because more it's it's more, you know, the NFL, it happens. It happens to the Raiders all the time. They'll get some awful, awful call. Then all of a sudden, oh, that call shouldn't have been called. Well, no kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everyone knew that. And then all of a sudden you come out the next day and it's like, oh, yeah, we missed that one. Well, now not only did you miss it during the game and kick the team and, and hurt the team, now you kicked them while they were down because now you're admitting that you blew it and there's nothing you could do about it. There's just go down n- with the ship. Don't even tell us. Yes, just take that L. You know, it's like, it's like when you, you, know, you know that you got caught doing something and you just say, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. I mean, at, at some point there's no, easy, no reason to even admit it. We are, everyone already knows it. Just go ahead and, and let it go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hate, and again, I don't even like to use that word, but I hate when they do that. It bothers me so much. Oh, you know we missed that call. I know. The rest of the country knows. You knew when you threw the flag. But you did it anyway. You big dummy. <laughs> 127 is the time. Sorry, I didn't mean to get on my soapbox, but I had to. Uh, but I do want to hear from you. We got Ed Graney from the... Uh, Las Vegas Review Journal on ESPN Las Vegas uh, Press Box. He's coming up next. He's going to talk about the game on Sunday. He's also going to dip into a little bit of UNLV conversation. But I do want to hear from you. Uh, Sam and I, 
Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R, and also the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Thoughts on what needs to happen? Who needs to step up? How did this team get back on track uh, ahead of their game coming up on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs? And now that Odell Beckham Jr. has cleared waivers, do you think the Raiders should have interest? Let us know, Raider Nation. It's 128. We're live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It's Raiders HQ on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Your boy Q here and joined as always every single week. I'd like to check in with my guy Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the press box with Tyler Bischoff and also the Las Vegas Review Journal. And Ed is still out in New York following the Raiders' loss to the New York Giants. And Ed, it was a weird day on Sunday. I didn't know what to expect going into the game, as I'm sure a lot of us did not know what to expect. But just your feelings in the press box as you watched what unfolded on Sunday. How did you feel about the overall performance and did you feel a little bit of a gray cloud over your head yeah you know um the last time we were in new york uh it was for the jets game i believe it was jets game and it was pouring yep. rain um so it wasn't pouring rain but there was a cloud over the raiders um you know they didn't play well the offense didn't play well i thought obviously in the red zone that's a simplistic statement because everyone watched the game and saw how they played but to to a player afterwards q you know we asked if the henry rugg situation had anything to do with how they played you knew what they would say. They would all say, no, it didn't, because I don't think they wanted to use anything as an excuse. But I just don't believe that the preparation during the week on Wednesday and Thursday, the two most important days, didn't have something to do with what happened with Henry. And then if you don't prepare 100%, it might translate to the game. So um, they didn't want to use it as an excuse, but they're human beings. These guys aren't robots. And I just thought that if you watch that game, there was something amiss, you know, with especially on offense with all of them where he plays. And uh, it was not a good performance. They, they need to bounce back this week. Yeah, they really do. And at the very least, what was missing was Henry Ruggs speed, you know, the ability to be out there and stretch the field. They just didn't have it on Sunday at all. And I thought Zay Jones was going to step up and, and maybe he does at some point. But also, it kind of looked like, OK, this is why Zay Jones is a backup. He didn't really look like he had the goods to fill in that void. What did you see from Zay? Not much. They missed him on a few slants. I think he had one reception for 20 or 21 yards. Yep. Um, I only know that because our props at the paper were 23 and I went under. So I was, <laughs> uh, somewhat, I was somewhat selfishly happy about that, but not much at all. And again, I don't, I'm not in Greg Olson's head, so I don't know exactly what call plays were called, but you know, your most important right point is right. They couldn't, the, the giants look, the giants aren't dumb. They read everything that happened with rugs. They knew he wouldn't be in there. I don't know how much that changed, how they scheme things up. But when you don't have the threat, when you don't have a guy on the outside that you say, okay, this guy could really hurt us, then you can play maybe a little more aggressive on the edges and you can do some more things. So, yeah, I didn't think Zay, you know, obviously did much at all. Um, I can't go 100% on him because I don't know how what the plays are called. I did see a couple slants they missed him on uh, or Derek just kind of looked off him too fast. Uh, but they need, you know, I think that's the reason they signed Deshaun Jackson. Um, is Deshaun Jackson the Deshaun Jackson of five, six, seven years ago with the speed? I'm not so sure about that. He's a vet. But I do think Deshaun Jackson at least gives them what we're talking about here, the, you know, the kind of unveiled threat that, you know what, if you don't watch him and if you don't honor him, he can beat you over the top. And, you know, obviously without Henry, that's what they desperately need. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. We're talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And sticking with Deshaun Jackson, I asked Rich Basaccia yesterday if he felt like they might be able to get him up to speed and actually get him a little bit of burn Sunday night against Kansas City, and it sounded like they would. He's a 14-year vet, Ed. I mean, how quickly do you think he can get up to speed, and is it a situation where you think Carr could just say, hey, Deshaun, this is, your, this is what you run on this play. This is your route response. Oh, yeah. I think a 14-year vet like him who's played so much football can come in, practice Wednesday, Thursday, be in meetings, uh, sit with Derek, sit with Olsen. You know, obviously they can't throw the whole book at him in terms of the playbook. He won't know everything. But I'll I'll be shocked if they don't throw him in there Sunday night, at least, again, for the simple purpose of testing a Kansas City defense that has not been good to, you know, honor him and, and say how much does he really know. So I'll really be surprised if he doesn't play Sunday night, especially after what we saw here in New York. Um, I mean, I would just have him out there to have him out there. And, and, and like you said, Derek can say on this play, just run this route, um, you know, and he'll know every route there is. So I think it's a good signing. They had to do something. Um, they had to get someone in there that, that, you know, maybe didn't give them Henry speed right now, but gave them more speed that they had without him. And I think Deshaun Jackson is a good, I think he's a good sign. I think a vet at 14 years, you know, you'd hope that, you know, his theory is, and I think he said this when he signed up he wants to go to someone he thinks can win. Uh, that's what you're looking for in your 14th year. So hopefully he'll be committed and 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 disciplined in all ways and, and come in and, and contribute. Yeah, and I, I do think he could play a role. You know, again, he's not the Deshaun Jackson he was when he was drafted many years ago, but he's right. still, you know, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. So I think he's a good, uh, a good piece. Now, the guy that's got to get on the ball is Derek Carr, who – uh, had some decent numbers as far as yards, but he ultimately had a bad game on on Sunday, Ed. And uh, how do you think Derek Carr, how do you think D.C. bounces back from that kind of game? How do you flush that and not allow that to linger in the back of your mind and, and really ultimately beat you twice? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he look, he wasn't good. Like you said, he missed touchdowns. Uh, the pick six was bad. The other pick lays to three points, so that's ten points right there. Um, I, I think he'll bounce back. I, if you're Derek Carr, if you're not, if you're Greg Olson, if you're Greg Olson, you're like, all right, let's put, um, let's put the uh, film on from the first seven games compared to this one. You know, let, let's see, you know, let's see which Derek Carr you are. And I think he's the Derek Carr we saw for most of the season up until this week. Um, I'll be shocked if he plays that way against the Chiefs. He just, you know, again, and that goes back to Derek Carr, who, you know, was pretty close to Henry Ruggs. How much of the preparation that week was just taken up by every story, every, every TV broadcast, every radio show, everyone right. talking about that. Because as much as Derek Carr wants us to believe he doesn't listen, he doesn't know, he does. They all do. They're human beings. Right. They want to know what's being said. I think he bounces back and has a fine game. I don't know if they, that means they win because, again, we're kind of all waiting for Kansas City to be Kansas City. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or possible, but if it does for whatever reason on Sunday night, then Derek's going to have to be good. Right, and also Raider Nation is all looking at the moment where, hey, is this going to be where we've been a couple times already where it's, you know, get off to a great start then have a second second half of the season collapse? Yeah. I mean, here yeah. you are. Every team in the AFC West, Ed, has five wins right now. So, I mean, this game is critical, and, and, and the Raiders – they can't think about the past seasons. Rich Bisaccia will tell you he's not thinking about it. But somewhere in their heads, they've got to be thinking about their last few seasons having collapses in the second half of the season. Oh, I mean, five of six a couple of years ago, they lose five, six down the stretch. Last year, what, six, two, six, three, they finish eight and eight. Right. I mean, again, yeah, they have to be thinking about it. And they're going to tell us they're not. I get that. I mean, I certainly wouldn't admit that I'm thinking about previous seasons. But you start feeling it a little. And, you know, that Giants game, 
that might have brought out some of that in that locker room where, uh oh, you know, we can't let this happen. In fact, you know, several of the questions questions afterward, how do you stop this now? Like, how do you make one loss not bleed into two and three like what's happened in the past? They all had good answers. You expect them to do that. But again, it goes back to I'm sure they're thinking about it. And, you know, you lose and go five and four, then it's really going to be asked to you. And then it's really going to become like a main storyline. So I think they do everything they can this week to prepare, try to win a game, a game they can win. This is the, like I said, this has not been the Kansas City everyone expected. They can win this game. They're just going to have to prepare well. And they're really going to have to move on at least in their minds from whether it's Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett and all that's happened. Because if you keep that in your mind and you keep, you know, worrying about that during preparation, as we saw, it can translate into the game. Yeah, really. And you mentioned Damon Arnett. And of course, uh, you know, Mike Mayock had the impromptu teleconference uh, real quick on Monday uh, to, to break down the waving of Damon Arnett. And that's another first round pick from the 2020 class that's gone. Henry Ruggs and Arnett in the matter of a week. Uh, a lot of people ask me, Ed, about Mike Mayock and his status. How do you think? Uh, and matter of fact, exact wording was Q. How does he survive this? And so I'll ask you the same question. How does Mike Mayock survive? Uh, moving forward as the GM of the team, knowing they've had so many failures in the first round. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'd love to be in Mark Davis's head. You know, when Gruden left, that was the question. Okay, now what happens to Mayock? And if Mark Davis wants a full, clean house, then Mike Mayock won't be the general manager. Um, right. You know, I don't, and I, I said in the paper, it, it's it's a horrible look because it's two first round picks from the same draft in seven days. I mean, that, that's a horrible look. So, you know, of the seven in 2020, three, three are still around. Um, that shouldn't discount things they did correctly in the 19 drafts and, you know, the, the drafts this year and then going forward. 2020 was just a horrible draft in terms of what happened to those players. It might cost him his job. Like I said, I don't know what Mark Davis is thinking. Um, I think he's going to let it play out. That would be the smart thing to do. You have to let the season play out and then make your decisions. Um, but, you know, if you and I, if, if Mike Mayock isn't the GM here next year after what happened here in the last week, then neither you and I will be surprised. No, and, and let me ask you this, because we've seen it with multiple teams in the past, is they'll let that GM and that scouting staff, they'll let them go all the way up to the draft and I even execute the draft, and then immediately afterwards fire them because, well, they've already been preparing for the draft, so you can't really clean house and bring in a new guy in, say, January to prepare for an April draft. No, that's a great point, because what they're going to say is our scouts have been working college games all year. Yep. Um, and you know, to a point that's true. They have scouts at every, they have scouts at college games every week, like every other NFL team does. So, you know, I mean, maybe that's what happens here. Maybe they go all the way through the draft. They let Mayock take one draft. And, and let me, let me say this, you know, and I, I, I wrote this, you know, Damon Arnett, um, I truly believe on all draft picks. Now, you know, I'm sure Gruden and Mayock agreed a lot, but I always believed and will always believe that John had the most power and the most juice and made final decisions. Right. So, that, you know, Gruden's got to be involved here, too, in these decisions on this 2020 draft. I'm not saying Mayock, you know, should keep his job or that, you know, what happened here shouldn't be the final straw of, of him losing his job. I just want to make it clear that also that John, I think, made all final decisions. And for all we know, they agreed on every 2020 pick. We don't know. We weren't in the room. But I don't think enough people, have, uh, not to you know, completely pile on John, but I don't think enough people have talked about it in the last few days and last weeks. Like, look, he was in charge of that organization in terms of football operations. I mean, other than Mark Davis, no one held more power than John Gruden. So he had a lot to do with it, too. Will that help Mike Mayock save his job? I'm not so sure about that. But I do think it's a miss if people don't mention John Gruden's part in all this. 
Absolutely, I agree. Those those guys, I really think, are joined at the hip. And, and if you're going to praise one, you gotta you gotta praise the other. If you're going to slander yes. and, and and bring down one, you got to bring down the other because yes. it's just it's just that simple. Uh, talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal, does a great job on both, of course. Here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Just got a couple more questions for you, Ed. And I, I've got to turn my attention to UNLV, the Rebels. We yeah. talk about them every week. They come away with a W. Now, it wasn't yeah. impressive. They didn't blow out New Mexico, but they got a W. They found a way to get it done. They finished, which they hadn't done in the Marcus Arroyo era. What did you think of the victory and the fact that, well, they finally got a W under their belt? You know what? I was here in New York and uh, watching the scores that happened, and you and I talked about this last week. I just really felt good for the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard to lose that much to listen to radio, to pick up a paper, to watch TV, and all people talk about is, you know, they made it kind of a laughing stock and a joke. You never win games. You never win games. I thought it was amazing for the kids. Um, I assume they sang the fight song. That's usually what happens in locker rooms after college wins, especially like that win. It'd be your first in over 700 days. So that's all I thought. I just thought it was, it was great for the kids. I didn't – Marcus had a quote afterwards I kind of didn't understand about cancel culture. I thought, you know what, in this moment – be happy for the kids, praise the kids. Um, don't worry about what's been said about your program, move forward, try to get another one. And, uh, I'm sure Demond uh, was very, very happy, uh, with the, uh, with the victory and, and good for you and LV. Um, they, those kids needed some kind of success. Yeah, exactly. I, I was so happy for him. I was happy for the Chuck wagon. He's the all time leading rusher now yes, in the history, yes. you know, and, and, and that's great because that's a really good dude, not only on the field, but he's a great dude off the field academically. Oh, yeah. And just as a, as a young man in society. I'm glad you pointed him out because, you know, and it's weird. And, you know, now you know, the Raiders and all the things going on with them and the Golden Knights, I think Chuck's record kind of got lost. I think when you become the all-time leading rusher to school, it's a little more publicized. But, but you know, we're, you know, look, Vegas is a pro ta- team. Yep. So town. I'm really glad you mentioned him. And, and you know, they get the win and, you know, he's the all-time leading rusher. I thought that was really cool. I've written stuff in the past on Chuck. Like you said, he's a really respectful young kid, um, really bright and, uh, I thought that was really cool. He's gone through injuries, but to come all the way back and be a leading rusher of that university, that's special, man. I mean, when you're number one in the record books, I don't care what school you're at. I don't care, you know, what level you're at. Uh, that's a special thing. So I was really stoked for him. Yeah, no, I was too, man. Very excited about the, uh, for the Chuck Wagon and, and everything he's accomplished in his career at UNLV. Well, Ed, great stuff as always, man. It's always good to catch up with you. I know you're in New York. You're going to be traveling back. Uh, what do you got coming out on the press box? What do you got coming out on the review, review journal that everyone needs to be on the lookout for? Well, uh, Review Journal, we're all Raiders, all Raiders all the time, <laughs> especially now. Uh, they seem to have a few angles for us to write about. And then uh, I'll be back uh, tomorrow with Tyler in the morning uh, doing the show and doing the best uh, we can to bring everyone news about the Raiders and UNLV and the Golden Knights. All right. Well, don't get too comfortable in New York, man. Like, come back. No, I'm, I'm headed back. <laughs> Great stuff, Ed. I appreciate you as always, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Q. I'll talk to you soon. There he goes. That's Ed Graney right there from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. You can find him every single morning, 7 to 10 a.m. with Tyler Bischoff on the press box. And, of course, he writes for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, does a fantastic job covering the Raiders, covering UNLV, the Golden Knights, and everything else going on here in Las Vegas. We're coming on back. We're live at the Raiders' headquarters. That's Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson. Still got time in this hour. Hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Yo, what's up? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby. I like it. 
151 is the time. We're live right now at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. Many thanks to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal, who joined us in the last segment, talked all things Raiders as he saw him up close and personal as he was in New York for that letdown game against the Giants. Had a couple topics that I threw out there to you. Want to hear from you. What needs to happen for the Raiders to get back on track? And look, it's not just on Sunday. It's leading up to Sunday. What has to happen throughout the course of the week? What has to happen throughout practice? Talking about practice. What has to happen throughout practice to be able to get back onto the right track as far as you're concerned? And then Odell Beckham Jr., he has officially cleared waivers. Not a suggestion from me, just a question. Should the Raiders have interest? Want to hear from you. Should the Raiders have interest in one Odell Beckham Jr. from Evan Massey on Twitter? Per a source, the Packers appear to be Odell Beckham Jr.'s preferred destination. However, the Saints are making a hard push for him, as are the Patriots. Green Bay is where OBJ would prefer to play, as previously reported by Jordan Schultz. Uh, also, tweet from my guy James Owens. For me, Q, it's about targets. If you sign OBJ, he's going to demand targets. That's just who he is. Who will he take targets away from? Waller, Renfro, or Edwards? d will take the Ruggs targets, I'm guessing. If it were me, I'd pass on OBJ. No more character risk. Then Las Vegas Raider Marcus followed that up and said, get him to Green Bay and in the offseason, make a play at Devontae Adams. And I'll say this, and I'm not really, well, I'm not even going to say that. I would, I would open, have open arms for Devontae Adams if they were to make that move. I don't know if Green Bay is going to let him get out of town. But, man, and I hate to think about next year, I'll tell you right now, Devontae Adams in that offense that the Raiders have, those talented players that they have right now, and the relationship he already has with Carr, I think that would be one hell of a offense. But again, that's for next year. Uh, got a text on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 from Colin right here in Vegas. Derek Carr bounces back on Sunday and shreds the Chiefs in a Raiders victory. Uh, a text from Keith from Sonora. We were talking about officials, and I hate when, you know, the league comes out and says, oh, yeah, we missed that call. That's the worst. Like, you don't even have to admit it to me at this point. We already know. Keith said, missed calls or bad calls. I was at the last game in Oakland when the refs threw a bad call against the Raiders, kept the Jags drive alive. Raiders lost because the refs bad calls. I remember that. And really the worst call in that game, as I was there too, that was my wife's first Raider game ever. Actually, it was her first NFL game ever. Uh, we went to that game, and we had some great seats there, and I got a shout-out to Anna and Rob because uh, they hooked us up with some great seats right there in the black hole. And when Derek Carr bootlegged and he ran and he slid inbounds and the official said he was out of bounds was the worst, the worst call ever. And that led to the clock stopping. That led to the Raiders ended up ultimately getting a delayed game penalty which ultimately led to the Jaguars getting the ball back, which ultimately led to the Raiders losing that game, which turned into a mess on the field because Raider Nation was pissed, and they should be. Uh, I don't think that they should have been pissed at the players. They should have been pissed at the officials, but cup holders were thrown, nachos were thrown, all kind of stuff was thrown. It became a wild mess. Uh, my wife had her Raider sweatshirt on, and somebody stole the chair at the Coliseum. No joke, Raider Nation. I'm not BSing when I say this. When I tell you, I tell you truth. It's, it sounds wild at times, but it's truth. Somebody stole the chair. They already broke the chair off at the stadium, right, at the Coliseum. They're leaving the stadium, and somebody with a yellow jacket, security, 
is trying to stop them from taking the broken chair. It's already broken. Who cares at this point if you stop them? What are you going to do? Give me the chair so I can go repair it? No. You're just going to have a broken chair. So at my when I used to work at the grocery store, they told me, Q, if someone steals something and they make it to the door, let them go. It's not worth it. Somebody should have told security this. Because as they're chasing this cat with the chair, and they're literally chasing this cat, he's running, trying to duck and dodge through traffic. Remember what I said about dipping into someone? Well, he dipped into my wife, and there was a piece of metal coming off from the chair, and it scratched her, her hoodie. But luckily, her hoodie was a little thick, because you know how we wear hoodies, right? We wear them a little big. It was a little thick, so it really didn't hurt her, but it, it, it put a battle wound on the hoodie. So currently, to this day, right now, if you see her hoodie, there's a hole in it, and that's from that chair, all because the security guard had to chase her. Or chase, not chase her, chase a dude with the broken chair that, who cares, the chair was already broken. I don't know why I get so fired up about kind of stuff like that, but I do. Speaking of fired up, how about we hit Raider 619 real quick on the Raider Nation listener line, then we'll take a break. Raider 619, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Uh, I just want to talk to the Raider Nation and uh, tell them to pump their brakes on Mike Mayock because... Have you ever been riding with your lady and you know where you're going? Let's say you're at Allegiant Stadium and you're going home and she's telling you, go left here, go right here, go left here, go down this street. You know how to get home. Just because it's not her way, it's your way. You know how to do it. That's the same situation that Mike Mayock was in with Gruden calling the shots and having final say. Let's give him another year and see what he does when he has control. That's my opinion. Okay. Good call. Thank you so much for that, Raider 619. And, yeah, I, I'm with you. I actually think that he will get it. And this is, again, my gut feeling. I, will, I do think he's going to get another year just because of everything you said. And, and the one thing I'll say about that, and only because I don't know, and if someone knows, if there's an insider that – and maybe Vinny Bonsignor, who comes up at 4 o'clock, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio, maybe he has a better idea. Maybe he's talked to, you know, uh, Mayock. Or maybe he's talked to Mark Davis and has got a better understanding. I can never tell you the truth and say – I know exactly what Mayock picks were, and I know exactly what picks were Gruden picks. Me personally, gut feeling, I feel like, hey, they at some point came to a decision together. Just like me and my wife decided on where we were going to live together. I had an idea of where I wanted to live. She had an idea of where she wanted to live. And ultimately, we decided on the place that we currently live in. We did that together. So if it doesn't work out and the house isn't really a good house and she can't go back and be like, well, that was your house. You picked that. No, no, we did that together. You know what I mean? It might have been my influence, but we did it together. And that's just – and so I feel like that's how I feel, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the dynamic. I, I know that John Gruden rubber-stamped everything. He was the end-all, be-all. But I don't know how much a Damon Arnett might not have been a Mayock decision or how much a, a, a Damon Arnett was a Mayock decision. We just don't know. 158 at a time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Got some more calls. Got some great text that I want to get to. Plus, got a lot of stuff to talk about. And I want to, there's a soundbite that I want to play from Mike Mayock in his teleconference yesterday. And it really has to do with the text message that we got in the Salmon Ash text line. I'll explain that all when we come back. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.